Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. What is going on with the Los Angeles Lakers? LeBron, why are you 0-3? I'm seeing quotes from NBA analysts calling Westbrook Bob the Builder, Bricklayer, some very disrespectful names. I'm starting to think his career might be done because the way that he is being spoken about in NBA circles is downright egregious. For someone who was a former MVP, for someone who has averaged a triple-double twice, but now he's in a situation where LeBron looks amazing, not a single sight of dust, rust, or anything in between. But the team is terrible. So just like last year, they need a scapegoat, and it was easy to just use the same one. Anthony Davis is there. He's healthy for the first time in a while, and he still does not look like that guy. The torch was right there for the taking. LeBron won the championship with him, And it was time for him to say, hey, AD, become the best player on the Los Angeles Lakers. But every time I watch Anthony Davis play, this is a player who I believe had the potential to be the number one player in the NBA. Guard skills at 6'10", 6'11", ability to shoot, pass, one of the best defenders in the league. But every time he steps foot on the court, he looks like he has no desire to assert himself as a dominant player in the NBA. It's eerily reminiscent of when Dwight Howard was one of the best players in the league and he teamed up with Kobe Bryant and he never really showed that mental part of his game where he could assert himself as the best big man in the NBA undisputedly. So now you have a team that is shooting the worst three-point percentage we've ever seen at the volume that they're shooting it at. They're getting a lot of open looks, but even they have to ask, are we getting open looks because our game plan is good or because teams are not afraid of us shooting the three ball? So they continue to miss threes. They have had a tough opening schedule. But from everything I've seen, I'm going to whisper very quietly, the Los Angeles Lakers might not make the playoffs this year. On the other side of the country, the Boston Celtics look amazing. And this is in spite of the fact that they lost their superstar coach in Ime Udoka in the offseason, not too far ago from the start of the NBA season. So now Joe Mazzulla, credit to him, steps up into the position and has them undefeated. Has Jason Tatum looking like the best player in the league. He is By far and away the leading MVP candidate, averaging 35 points for the opening week of the season. They wasted no time getting right into championship shape. And that is with great contributions from Jalen Brown, who's putting up 25 on his own and contributing on the defensive side of the ball. Marcus Smart doing his thing. Brogdon getting acclimated. The Celtics have to be the favorite to come out of the East at the moment. And not surprisingly, The other team that was in the finals last year looks great as well, the Golden State Warriors, as both of these powerhouses were able to keep their rosters 
for the most part the same. Some improvements, some things were lost, but the core pieces stayed the same. And now they're the favorites to be right back on that track to meet each other in the finals once again. But that might not even be the story of the week. Some pretty significant stories are the rookies, as a lot of them are looking talented, especially the second pick in the draft, Paolo Banquero, started off his NBA career with 27 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Dominance all over the court for the Orlando Magic. Benedict Mathurin on the Pacers is already giving you 20-plus points and a handful of rebounds. Jaden Ivey looks great on the Pistons alongside Cade Cunningham. NBA talent looks like it's getting better, yet somehow, someway, we still have some pretty significant disappointments to open out the season, none of which really match Philadelphia, who unfortunately for Philly fans, they started the season off 0-3, and it's a mixed bag. Because you have James Harden, who a lot of fans last season said, Joel Embiid looks amazing, but Ben Simmons is not here. If we just give him a good star teammate, we're right in the running to win a chip. James Harden looks back in his MVP form. 30 plus points, tons of assists, iso ball, step backs, the shooting guard extraordinaire that we really haven't seen since the Houston days that feels so far away. But Joel Embiid looks less dominant. The team on a whole doesn't show a lot of fight. I mean, they're giving up backdoor cuts, offensive rebounds. They're not hustling for the loose balls. There's just a lot of lollygagging. While Harden and Joel Embiid are in these ISO situations, players are standing around, not really ready to shoot, They get no juice from their bench. Barely any points are coming out of there. So you have a situation where if Joel, Harden, and Maxi aren't combining for like 100 points, it's going to be real tough for them to win games as presently constructed, as presently game planned. And that's how a rebuilding team like the Spurs was able to outlast them an entire game and beat them. They had a lot of young talent. They ran, they hustled, and while they were not even close to the ceiling talent-wise as the Sixers, they just out-hustled them and got a lot of easy baskets. This doesn't look good for Doc Rivers. He doesn't have this team playing hard. And when this is an issue that you're facing, you absolutely cannot have Matisse Thybul be a healthy scratch getting zero minutes in the game. A player who's one of the best defensive NBA Young guards, they just need a jolt of energy on that team. A team that has found that jolt has been the Portland Trailblazers, who a lot of people counted out. A lot of people said they're going to be in the tanking sweepstakes. But Damian Lillard has returned with a vengeance as he looks back to the same old shenanigans, being one of the best guards in the league offensively, virtually unguardable, And his backcourt mate, Anthony Simons, is equally promising. They've clawed their way to 3-0 with a statement win against the Lakers where Dame hit a timely three and Jeremy Grant hit a game winner. 
Donovan Mitchell on the Cavaliers has dropped his fair share of 30-point games now and has them looking, clicking on all cylinders despite an injury to Darius Garland. A lot of stars are showing out, but as the season goes on, we'll see who actually has the talent, scheme, and chemistry to compete. For now, the Warriors and Celtics have to be the favorites to meet in the NBA Finals. But there's a lot of promising teams out there with good young talent especially. Can the Sixers get bumped out the way? Will the Nuggets be able to find that spark with Jamal Murray and Jokic? Are the Lakers even going to be a play-in team? A lot of questions are still up in the air to start out the season, but it has been just as entertaining as ever, as I will continue to mention that the NBA is trying to transition to the post-LeBron, post-Steph Curry era as seamlessly as possible. So it's in their best interest to have these young rising stars make a name for themselves. In the NFL, the story of the week was the New York football giants now being 6-1, and one, a franchise that has since Eli started waning his way down, Eli Manning, that is, been somewhat pathetic. Not a lot to root for on that team until they acquire a coach from the Buffalo Bills named Brian Dayball, someone who has redefined the culture of Giants football once again. He has them playing with heart. He has them dancing in the locker rooms. He's showing some moves. He's smoking cigars after the games. And everyone on the team feels like they're playing at or above their potential. This is all led by their quarterback, Daniel Jones, someone who a lot of people wrote off. Making timely plays, this offense has really two players that are talented. Saquon Barkley, who's one of the best, if not the best running backs in the league, who has an unstoppable jump cut, and Daniel Jones. The receivers have been very lackluster, but again, they're getting schemed up in situations where they just get that one first down. The defense bites on Saquon and they get a little bit open. They continue to scheme these players up and have dinked and dimed their way to nearly a 7-0 record. The Giants are real. Their division is crazy talented with the Giants, Eagles, and Dallas Cowboys looking like actual Super Bowl contenders. And it's crazy to see a team like this be so dominant when a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are led by Tom Brady, are putting up three points against arguably the worst team in the NFL. I am seeing a lot of comparisons between this current version of Tom Brady and Washington Wizards' Michael Jordan. Now, that might be a bit extreme for my taste, but the Buccaneers have lost all of their swagger. Brady looks done physically, mentally, emotionally with this team. So I can't even say that his talent is withering away. But the spark behind the team looks gone. They don't look like their hearts are all the way in it. They look like they're playing not to lose. They look like they're playing not to say that they wasted a year with Tom Brady. 
They started the game off with a dropped wide open touchdown and just could never recover spiritually. I don't believe this team has a chance to win the Super Bowl. And that's because every time I see a Super Bowl team, they look like they're playing for something. And Tom Brady is out here with seven rings, one more than Jordan. His family allegedly begging him to come home. And it just seems like these players, they already won a Super Bowl with him. Yes, you want to win again, but there has been so much theatrics and storylines behind the scenes that are just outside of the realm of football that it's hard for them to hunker down and just focus on winning the game. So when I see a team like the Giants who look so when I see a team like the Giants who look like they're living and breathing football, if they were to go against the Buccaneers, I might put my money on the Giants. Just purely analyzing the mental aspect of the game. And this is not just true for Tom Brady. This is also true for Aaron Rodgers, a fellow GOAT, a fellow Super Bowl winner, the reigning two-time MVP, who looks like he's having zero fun on the football field. He just had his third consecutive loss. He's playing with awful receivers as his best receiver, Devontae Adams, departed from that team. The defense is nothing special. And opposing defenses are looking at the receivers and saying, nice try beating us. So they just shut down the run game. And Aaron Rodgers can only do but so much when receivers are literally dropping the ball or just not getting open. So these two goats and Brady and Rodgers, it might be time for them to hang it up. I know that Tom Brady redefined the narrative behind hitting that cliff as most of the time you hit 38, 39, 40, and a quarterback's talent turns to dust. Brady is 45. But even with that being said, we need to treat this more like an anomaly than the norm. And the league has already sent Brady off. He retired this year. And came out of retirement. Fans already let him go. And they said, ride into the sunset with your seven Super Bowl rings. And he made the choice to go back on that. But I believe that both with Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who's, we already know who the torch is being passed to in the NFL, unlike the NBA. Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs and Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, who conveniently are both in the same conference and will continue to have to go through each other to make Super Bowls. So I think I speak for a lot of NFL fans in saying that we will have no problem letting these two great players depart from the world of football. I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge what's going on in the MLB. As the World Series stage is set, the storied New York Yankees with all of these rings, trophies, Derek Jeter stories, parades that people remember for days, just got swept by the Houston Astros. The Yankees were led by potential MVP Aaron Judge, who broke 
the Yankees' home run record this season, and the Astros kept him in check. Actually, Judge kept himself in check because he hasn't been good the entire playoffs. Outside of a couple home runs here and there, he was not an impactful player. The Astros look unstoppable right now, and the Yankees were not going to be that immovable force that prevented them from getting to the World Series. Many people picked them to make this run, so not too many baseball fans are surprised by it. The Yankees squeaked past the Cleveland Guardians, and the big, bad Houston Astros smacked them right back down to earth as they prepare for liftoff in the World Series. On the other side, the Philadelphia Phillies had possibly the moment of the playoffs. As the player who they gave the big contract to, the player they called on to be their superstar face of the franchise, Bryce Harper, came through in the biggest of all moments. He desperately dreamed of stepping up to the plate one day and hitting an absolutely clutch ball to send his team to the World Series. And when they were down by one, With a chance to advance, Bryce stepped up to the plate with a runner on second, looks up at the sky, and boom, hits a massive clutch home run, putting them up by one in the eighth inning, followed up by them shutting down the San Diego Padres in the ninth. A moment you dream of your whole career came true, and he just punched his team's ticket to the World Series as two smoking hot teams that really will be a pick'em will meet starting this Friday. In the music world, Little Baby's album It's Only Me hovered in the culture for about a week with him doing enough to top 100K sales first week and slow down a lot. The album, frankly, was a bit of a frisbee. He didn't demonstrate a hold on the culture. Granted, not many artists have this year, but there were some highlights as per usual. He promoted that song, Hey, a lot. He put in a minute on the album, which is his remix of Pound Cake by Drake. But all respect due to Little Baby, it's coming and going. And it seems like a take that I've had for a very long time continues to be proven true week by week. And that is that with all the new music that is released so frequently, the way to sustain as an artist is to create moments rather than volume. Back in the day, there was a lot of mixtapes coming out where you could flood the streets with volume and people just wanted to hear your voice if you were relevant. But now, the allure of a Kendrick Lamar dropping every few years makes people tuned into that. The allure of Little Uzi having contract issues, not being able to drop, and then he finally releases his album, allows him to get in that 200K, 300K first week sales. A regular 
once a year release that doesn't have much of a story behind it is not going to work in today's business. We're seeing that be proven true with an unbelievable stat that I had to share with you. One album came out this Friday and has already proven to be a moment as Taylor Swift drops Midnight's, her new album. And within the past couple years, when it comes to first week sales, usually what you hear is 100K means you're about a B plus, A minus level artist. 200K, you're an A fringe A plus artist. 300K, no one is talking to you. You are that superstar. 400, 500, you have had a grasp on the culture that will be remembered. Taylor Swift, I kid you not, is projected 1.6 million first week sales. That is absolutely unreal in the music industry today. She is just one of those cheat codes in the world of music. So congratulations to her because she is creating a moment, one that cannot be forgotten for Taylor Swift fans. This theory remained true as Little Uzi Vert dropped a new song on a Monday called Just Wanna Rock, a song that's heavily influenced by the Jersey Philly club scene. It's a dance song. But the story behind it getting released, I believe, is connected to Little Yachty. As a couple weeks ago, a snippet leaks from Little Yachty with him singing about taking the walk to Poland. A random phrase literally only became popular or viral because of the way he interpolated the word walk. Nothing crazy to write home about, but... Either him or someone on his team advised turning it into a song. So in the middle of it being viral, he quickly threw together a one verse for the song and dropped a music video with the verse. Most people don't even like the song. And he didn't even seem super enthusiastic about making this song, now called Poland, but in an attention economy that relies oh so much on having a grasp on the attention you're given, he made sure to stamp that moment in history. So even if you don't like the song, every time you see it, you'll remember the song leaking, you hearing the leak, and then the song following up to keep it in your mind. Uzi similarly had a snippet of this song leak. It went viral. There was a dance with it. And he dropped the song. So now people can go on their TikToks, do the dance, and they'll continue hearing the song and fall slowly and slowly more in love with it. So it also falls in line with what has been the genre of the year, dance music, led by Drake and Beyonce dropping dance albums. So as I said, the music business today is about creating moments. Drake tried it, but honestly, never mind. And I think it created a moment because it was so surprising, like a dance album from Drake. And he's trying to do it again in the same year. As Drake 
His biggest song on that album was the rap song, Jimmy Cooks, a play on the name Jimmy Brooks, who was his character in Degrassi, featuring 21 Savage. Drake dropped a video for this song this past weekend. And right after his verse concludes, something flashes on the screen. New album, Her Loss, Drake and 21 Savage, dropping this Friday. The whole Drake and 21 Savage fandom is locked in. People absolutely will be tuned into this. The last time Drake did something like this, it was What a Time to Be Alive, his collab album with Future. And that was a moment in and of itself. Future was at the top of his game. Drake was ascending to the top of his game. They do the collab album. Several big songs came out of that. Drake and 21 Savage have rarely missed as a duo. So I have the confidence to say that this will be a deservedly highly anticipated project. And I hope that they have some songs that can last more than a week as they have a layup opportunity for a moment. They already created a moment with the way they announced it. Can they just finish the alley-oop? Just put the ball in the basket, Drake and 21 Savage, for the sake of the music industry. The comic book world is having their own moment as well. As Black Adam has released and it has comic book fans very divided. The Rock, one of if not the biggest pop culture icons you'll find, has penetrated the DC Cinematic Universe as a villain. And people are already dreaming up battles between him and Superman as DC recently announced Henry Cavill returning to play Superman. Or with Batman, who they just rebooted him and had that movie be very successful with Robert Pattinson. The stage is set. Will DC try to establish this universe or will they abandon that plan after the struggle of them making the Justice League movie where everyone was supposed to come together like the Avengers, but in the version that was released, it stumbled, the story wasn't great, the characters weren't as compelling. The four-hour version, the Zack Snyder cut that dropped, was way better. But again, it didn't even come close to touching what Marvel has done on a bad day. Meanwhile, the Rocky universe welcomed a new addition after the departure of Sylvester Stallone, the man who plays Rocky. Michael B. Jordan announced that Creed 3 is coming, and he directed it. And he dropped a new trailer for it, showing us the premise, which is that a friend of his character, Adonis Creed, went to prison for something that they both were affiliated with when they were kids. And he's been in prison for a long time and comes back with hate on his heart, passion, and drive to take the spot that Michael B. Jordan has been afforded. He believes that if he didn't go to prison, he would have been the number one boxer in the world. He would have been the superstar. He would have been the one living the lavish life that he believes might have softened Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis Creed. 
So fans of the Creed series will be tuned in to find out if Michael B. Jordan, now potentially more focused on his family in the movie, will be able to take on Jonathan Mayers as he's been an actor who has enjoyed a meteoric rise. And there will only be more and more room for him to grow as he has accepted his role as Kang the Conqueror in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there's a lot to look forward to here. And I know House of Dragons, the Game of Thrones extension is taking the world by storm. I will have to get back to you on that show. But for this week, thank you for listening. You are all caught up with the world of pop culture. I hope that that arms you well to have the corresponding discussions with friends and family. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.